Hello again, Pastor Deborah for God Be Love, Love Is Here Ministries. And this is series two of Mental Health and the Forever Person. In the first series, which had seven episodes, we talked about a math, a new math, called one plus one plus one. This series, which is beginning uh, today, and I'll have many different episodes in it, is entitled The Three Realms. This is going to be a little introduction into these episodes that are coming. Oh my goodness, I got started a little bit early. <laughs> People are still finding their seats. Okay. Oh my goodness, got a lot of people here today from all over the world because the videos are starting to get known and some of my stories, they're incredible, are starting to be heard because they have been silent for many, many years. But this new series, uh, both the webcams and the podcast, Mental Health and the Forever Person. This new series, like I said, is entitled The Three Realms. In these episodes, which will be quite a few, we're going to dig a little deeper into ourselves. And the three realms that our mental health and our forever person live in. The first realm, which many of us are very aware of, is called the realm of the natural, the physical body, the temporary realm. The realm that we can see out here, when you look at people, that's what we see. So that's going to be the first realm. And I'm going to break it up into several episodes to go through it. And then talk about the professions that deal with mental health. Some of the history of mental health. And some of the different uh, terminology and definitions. Because it's very real vital for you in your learning to understand terms and definitions. Most of us don't know what the people are talking to us, the doctors or our therapists in the mental health world. They sort of know. Uh, not a lot of people have a lot of history of it. We're getting it in bits and pieces uh, all over. A lot of wonderful sayings on LinkedIn, a lot of posts. A lot of people are trying so hard to encourage us and give us words and give us some life skills and life coaching to help us. But it's hard when you only have so many nanoseconds on LinkedIn for a post. Or you go to your therapist or your psychiatrist or your primary care physician, and they're under a lot of time pressure, and they got to sort of move us in and move us out. So we're going to talk about in the first set of episodes that area of the three realms. The second realm will be the realm of your soul, which, as I have taught you before, has a conscious awareness part and a subconscious part. And we're going to talk about precepts and concepts and beliefs and thoughts and your mind and pictures and your five senses and how all of that is more intricately involved in your mental health. It should be pretty exciting if you've never studied it. Then the third realm is the realm of the spirit. It is the realm that the forever person lives in. 
Now, a lot of people know about it. I see them all the time in that realm. It's not a spooky realm, but some people make it very spooky, and it is very, it's very much with us here on planet Earth. It has good stuff and bad stuff in it. That is where our forever person lives. And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about the forever person and how he is related to and how he is affected by and how the world, the realm of the natural, the physical body, and the soul affect it. So that all three realms are involved in mental health. And they're all involved in the healing part of it. And so I wanted to just give you this introduction before I get started with episode one. So you'll be aware of what's coming. There'll be lots of different episodes. You know me, I like to talk a lot. And I have a lot of people listening and they're here with us now. And so I just wanted to let you know, welcome again to a new series of Mental Health and the Forever Person. The Three Realms. It will be up on the webcam, on YouTube, on the website, www.godbelovedishere.org. It will be put on the podcast of Mental Health and the Forever Person, which you can get to from the website. And I will also podcast it on out, and uh, so you can listen to it wherever you are. And uh, so this is real vital because the world and all of humanity are dealing with the mental health and the forever person. Those two realms are connected. They are on planet Earth. And we have so many issues. And everybody, every nation, every organization, the UN, every loving faith-based person, every loving faith-based, every religion, everybody's trying to solve these problems. So I'm trying to come in and just give you some basic information that when you're out there and you're trying to get healed or find a proper uh, person to help you that you'll have a little bit of information that you can ask some intelligent questions you can research all this out a lot of it's on YouTube it's out on the internet Wikipedia so you become an informed person so you can know how to find the healing that you need and a little bit more about the mental health and the forever person. So this is the introduction to the new series of mental health and the forever person, the three realms. And they are again, that's right, the natural realm, which includes the physical body, that is correct, and the mental, emotional realm, that is correct, that deals with the soul, it's conscious, and it's subconscious, and the realm of the spirit. Yay! That's right. So we're going to be going into those in more detail. I can't take you right there, jump you off, and throw you into the deep end of the pool where I live most of the time because it takes a lot of work to get there. you got to learn to swim. you got to learn to bob your head under the water, hold your breath, uh, all kinds of things before you can get a lot of realizations of what's going on. But welcome. I hope to get this up today as quick as I can. I am multitasking. Tomorrow, I, and which is Saturday and Sunday, I will be in two days of training on suicide prevention and support group for the community. Uh, one of the people that's learning how to uh, help them because it's suicide. It's in every place. It's ever, even in the jails and the prisons. Okay. 
We just heard about a big case about that one uh, right here in America. So is suicide real? Yes. Is it happening to, to every na in every nation and every culture? Yes. Is it happening to every profession, men, boy, children? Yes. I have known five-year-old kids tried to kill themselves. No, you don't. If they come out of heavy-duty abuse, they will. So this is the introduction, the three rounds. I hope you enjoy it and hope you come back. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah. Look at the board, bank your notes, get you a new notebook or tablet or whatever you use and make the notes. See you in a bit. Hello again, Pastor Deborah here. And I want to welcome you again to another podcast of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. And the series and the podcast is entitled Mental Health and the Forever Person. This particular series is entitled The Three Realms. And this is series two of this new wonderful podcast. I believe we're into episode four. But before I get started, I would like to check with my ushers and all my helpers to make sure that everybody who is wanting to come today has got a has got a seat, got notebook and paper and pencils. Let me check. Ushers, ushers, is everybody here? If they do come in, please let them come on in and seat them. Okay. I uh, just wanted to let you know, I might look a little ruffled. I just came from the flea market, doing about five hours of ministry, met with some wonderful people, some young people who are musicians, don't even know their names. And they took pick this one guy who was in cybersecurity and a musician, was taking pictures of the booth. So you might see it up on Instagram or something. I'm not sure. I haven't been able to figure out how to use I don't have a smartphone. So I have some other kind of camera. I'm not sure how to do all that. So maybe you'll see the pictures of the booth, which is very beautiful. Very Victorian, regal, royal. So to help you when you understand me. Today, in episode four, I believe, we're going to talk more about the mental health part. The first round, the biological round. Last time we talked about a word called anxiety, which really means the fear of dying or death. And what I want to do is go into a little bit more today about the DSM and how the licensed therapist and psychiatrist use it. It is a diagnostic tool uh, to help them learn what your issues are, what the problems are, and to be able to talk in a language to each other. And it's usually in numbers. And that was how the medical community talked with each other. If you had cancer of some kind or you had an eye problem, everything was given a number. So when you get into mental health issues and you're seen by a psychiatrist or a licensed professional, you're going to get classifications and they're looking for certain things one they are looking for personality disorders that means there's sort of a norm of what your personality should be developed to be as what they would consider 
mentally healthy, normal. And based on your age, maybe your sex or your culture, they can determine at any age simply by asking you questions or giving you tests. Has your personality, how is it developing? Now that personality uh, is developed in what Freud called the subconscious, that hidden heart of ours. And it gets developed over time with training, programming, words, experiences, culture, faith. What the marketplace is doing, what society is doing, by the calendar, by our school teachers. That personality is being formed. It's being shaped into something. Now, in the mental health world, they believe there is some kind of normal range like if you're a six-year-old, there's six-year-old behaviors, attitudes you're supposed to have that's considered normal. And anything outside of that would be considered abnormal. And you might, would probably have a mental health disorder. So they're looking at the development of your personality, which can take a many different forms. Your attitudes your concepts, your beliefs, how you interact and communicate with people. They know the biological body is developing through time. They know certainly teenagers and young adults that their personality is still forming compared to maybe a 65-year-old. So they kind of know from years and years of research and testing at each age, what the personality should be. And if you are acting different than what their research and their medical stuff has said, then you would have an abnormal personality development. In the personalities, they also have things where you get stuck and you don't progress to the next one. And I'll give you a story of my brother. He has passed on now. He was diagnosed with a borderline personality. What that meant was, even though he's 45 or 50 years old, he had a lot of characteristics of his personality, his communication, his decision-making, his emotions and feelings, that when you looked at him, you thought he was a five-year-old child. He didn't really want to work. He wanted somebody to take care of him. He was very selfish, all about me. So his personality got stuck, got frozen, excuse me, my nose is itching, in a child in many ways. Never quite learned exactly what age, but in the child. And yet he had parts and bits and pieces of a teenager, young adult, and even adult male. He had been married three times, had children. He did work. He had a master's degree in social work. So there were parts of him that were very adult, took, loved horses, took care of horses. And then there were parts of him that was very childish. So what they called him is that his personality, part of it got stuck. He was borderline. He was not really a child. He was sort of halfway in between, like one foot in childhood, teenage years, one foot in the adult world. And he would bounce back and forth. And it involved his relationships with family members, his communication at work, 
his relationship in his marriage and even to his kids, uh, whether he wanted to work or not wanted to work. Um, and he, it was sort of all about him. And that's what a child is. So he had a lot of things that he was still a child. They had not developed. And he had a lot of things in him, so he was called a borderline personality. It wasn't fully developed. By the time he was 45 or 50, it was not fully developed as a grown, mature adult. He had a lot of areas that he was still a child in, would act like it, uh, he would, and had feelings about it. So he was classified as a borderline personality. And because of this mixture of child and a, maybe a young teen and adult within his system of his thoughts and mind, he had problems. He couldn't work in a normal job. He didn't have normal family relationships. Couldn't stay married. Didn't raise his kids very well. Couldn't work without a special supervisor. But yet he never sought counseling because he really didn't believe he had it. And he always blamed his parents for all his problems. So he was classified as a borderline personality. So what happens is the mental health professionals, your psychiatrist and your licensed counselors, are looking to see if you have any personality disorders and what they could be. Is there something in your personality, your self-concept, your ideas, your thoughts that then produce your behaviors that are not normal for your age? And then they become abnormal. And so they're looking for that. And all they can do is ask you questions. They can ask your family members if you give them permission. Give you tests. They're looking to see if your age correlates to your personality development. Well, that's one area that the mental health professionals are looking at. Another area is substance abuse. And they combine several things. They're trying to see, do you have some addiction problems in your area, substances, or it could be anything else that you cannot break free of, and they are causing this addiction, which also another word for that would be bondage, uh, that you are enslaved to, and you cannot break free. And usually, uh, your biological body and your soul, your hidden man, are involved in substance abuse. So they're looking. Now you could have a personality disorder and at the same time what they call core, uh, I think it's called co-concurring substance abuse disorders along with the personality disorders. So sometimes in their notes you have two diagnoses. My brother, I'll use him, I don't think he'll mind. He also was diagnosed as manic depressive which falls into the mood disorders, which is another major area of mental health counseling. They want to know, we all have moods. We all have feelings. All of us have good days and we all have bad days. Sometimes the good days aren't as many as the bad days. But we don't do things like go to bed for a long time. We don't do destructive behaviors. We get through it somehow. We find some encouragement, some friends, uh, 
you know, we lose, everybody loses somebody. We lose animals, dogs, houses. We all go through depression, but we come out of it. My brother didn't do that. He would live for years and years in manic state, high intensity, can't sleep, overeating, just going, going, going. He was on high alert adrenaline for whatever. And in the testing, they know that your chemicals in your biological brain based are connected to your feelings. Have you in that state? It's a mood. It's a feeling. And then some sooner or later, you'll crash and you'll go into the depressive side. And you might go to bed for six months or longer. And you have you feel hopeless and uh, you want to commit suicide and things like that. So he would swing. So they stabilized him with medication for a long time. But he never sought any counseling and the parents... Uh, didn't seek any counseling because I grew up in a family in the military. I tell a story all the time when I go to the Community Mental Health Center Acute Stabilization Unit. I grew up in the military, and you didn't talk about your problems. And if there was problems, here's what I was told. My mother had a lot. She was very suicidal. Also had a lot of mood disorders, but we didn't know that. Nobody talked. They were called nervous breakdowns because at that time, they believe your nerves were the problem. There was something wrong with your nerves. And psychiatry wasn't that well developed yet. And at the same time in the military, uh, the man's promotion was dependent on no trouble from the family. So you sucked it up and nobody talked and you had no counseling. And um, caused a lot of problems. Now my mother had brought into the marriage with her a lot of bitterness and anger towards her own family and hated her mother and sisters. She, uh, her father died very early with a heart attack. She was the apple of his eyes, and she blamed her mother for his death. So she held a lot and harbored a lot of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness towards her family. And she left home very early and um, brought that into the marriage and brought that into the children. And by the time I was about eight years old, I basically told people my mother doesn't have a full deck of cards and I had to grow up by myself and find my own survival skills. Now, I didn't know. I turned to books, turned to peace, turned to a quiet music, quiet solitude, learned to love to be by myself and not around people, which has benefited me later on. So I had to go through that, and I had to find a way through it. And my brother did not. He was born four years earlier than me, and that's all another story. But a psychiatrist, when he's looking at you, He's got to determine whether do you have a biological problem in here or there's some hormones off, some chemicals off that he can balance out with medication. And then maybe that will solve some of the moods, uh, the problems you're having. Then he's going to look to see if you're having mood disorders, uh, manic, depressed, anxiety, fearful, uh, Whatever your moods, are your feelings not regulated? Can you not regulate yourself? Feel like you want to die. You feel hopeless. Uh, you're in a crisis all the time. You overreact. You don't react appropriately. Then he's going to look to see if there's something wrong in your personality. Has it not been fully formed? Uh, is there still some childhood still in it and you're 55 years old? And you're still acting like a child and it's not appropriate how you interact with people, how you work, you just want to play, you don't want to work. So he's looking at that. Then he's looking to see 
or she, if you have any substance problems, overeating, too much sugar, uh, are you addicted to something, bingo, sex, uh, any substances, food, alcohol, drugs, he's looking. Because he knows all of those chemicals from food and substances that devastates the biological system, throws it out of whack, it's not in balance, and can actually cause you to feel certain ways, and then you crash. So in mental health, when you they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Do you have a mood disorder? Do you have a personality disorder? Do you have some chemicals that are in your system? Maybe you don't have enough magnesium or zinc to make the electrical chemicals do it. Maybe you have too much adrenaline and cortisol going off all the time. You're living in stressful, toxic situations. And you live in the fight or flight situation inside your body all the time. And you're just stressed out. And everything stresses you out. And your cortisol goes, your sugar goes... Okay, and how you handle situations. So that's where mental health is looking. They sort of have what is normal. They know we all get stressed. We know life is stressful. We know we have periods where we drink too much coffee and we get jittery. Uh, we eat too much sugar and we feel like we're going to stay up for four days. They know when we lose a loved one or a, a precious pet or tornadoes or hurricanes come. We go through times of depression and grief. Very normal. But we don't stay in grief for 20 years. We don't stay in a manic state. And they're trying to find out what's going on. So that's why they ask a lot of questions. Now they kind of have an idea what is an optimal balance for this system. And they know that the soul part of us has a lot of feelings. And he has been shaped and formed and conformed and, uh, we'll say, programmed. And he might have been uh, living in very toxic families, very toxic religion. May have been in very abusive situations, living in fear all the time. And because of those situations, the chemicals in the brain and everything are, have no normal range. And that person is living on high intensity, like being in warfare on the front lines all their life. And eventually, all the body parts wear out. So the psychiatrists, the licensed counselors, that's what they're looking for. And so they have to ask you questions. They have to get some background about you, your family. And I just went to a training in a hospital about domestic violence. Nobody wants to talk about the private stuff that goes on at home. They're embarrassed. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to talk about it. Nobody wants to look back at our parenting. They don't want to see how a child is developed, how culture affects us, how the problems maybe of our parents or our grandparents still affect us, how our faith, which could be very toxic, very rigid, unbending, very controlling. How does that affect our personality? How does that affect our relationship with other people? So they sometimes they will look at that. But they're not, most of the time a licensed mental health therapist 
will think maybe there's a chemical imbalance, maybe there's some drugs, maybe your diet, maybe you have some genetics, maybe your parents were like this. So they're trying to figure this out all around the world. There are psychiatrists in every nation, in every language, and in every faith. There are social workers. Let me tell you something about how the mental health system works. A psychiatrist was first a medical doctor. So he knows all about the body. Spent, went to medical school. Then he specialized in the brain up here. And he studied all the brain parts. He knows all about that. And he studied all the chemicals in the brain. And then he studies your feelings and your emotions. And he studies how does that happen. Now he also has to study when you hear voices or see uh, hallucinations. He's trying to figure out what that is. Now, we're going to come down a little pecking order to the psychologists. They're all over the world in every nation, every culture. They usually have what you call a philosophy doctorate. And they've studied, they know a lot about the medical part, but they've studied more about the emotional, the soul part, the hidden man, your feelings. Uh, they study, a psychologist will do a lot of testing to determine maybe your IQ, your social security disability. They get into a lot of your Beck depression scales, your MMPIs to study to see if you have multiple personality problems. They are testers, researchers. In fact, years ago, the psychologist used to be employed by a psychiatrist, and they would do all the testing. And a lot of them did a lot of testing with white rats in laboratories trying to find out what would be wrong. Well, eventually, they wanted to sort of break off on their own, and they did, and they formed... Uh, their own little group. Then from there you step down and you get at the master's level with both social workers, mental health counselors, professional counselors, marriage and family counselors. At that level, the master's level. A social worker usually believes that if I can change your social environment, your education, get you some food, a nice place to live, teach you how to calm down, will solve these problems. A mental health and a licensed professional counselor, they sort of believe this. you got some wrong thinking up here. And you haven't learned how to solve problems, be a good problem solver. You haven't learned conflict resolution. You don't know how to deal with your stress. You don't know how to communicate with people. You need some marriage counseling, something. Maybe some parenting classes. So they come in there. A licensed marriage and family therapist says we have some sexual problems between the two. We have some intimate partner relationship problems. We have some maybe domestic violence. You don't know how to get along with a person at an intimate level in a marriage or a partnership and not hurt each other and not attack each other. So a marriage therapist comes in there. And there can be all kinds of mental health problems within that relationship. So they're there. And of course all these people also work with children and teens and young adults and get on up into the real adults. So you have those group of people and there are, now there's a lot of research in the medical community about genes. They're trying to figure out are there latent genes, genes in remission, they skip some generations, maybe somebody in your past had these problems and the right conditions came about and they sort of got turned on and now you have something that a a relative in your family had, and it's genetic. 
So they're trying to figure it out, and they have smart people all over the world trying to figure it out, and they're trying to get the answers. Because in the other previous episodes, we said mental health has been with us since humanity got started. Now, at the same time, all of that is going on in the biological brain with the soul. And the soul has feelings, desires, and those two are connected. We mustn't forget the spiritual part of us that's in there. And it is a part of the soul for a long, 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 long time until it gets separated out and it can grow and learn spiritual things. But it too will have issues and it will have problems just as similar to the soul. But in mental health counseling, a lot of very smart people, wonderfully trained people are trying to help their fellow humans and solve these problems. They're trying to figure out suicide, depression, why we have mass shootings, why people who are bullied want to come back and kill people. They're trying to figure out bullying. They're trying to figure out what is racism and gender bias. And, uh, they, and they don't know. And there's not a lot of classes and training for a lot of these people. And they don't want to look back at the parents or the grandparents and the parenting. They don't want to really come in and look at the society on advertising, gaming, what are we teaching through toys, what is the culture that somebody is brought up in. The babies come in and uh, they just hang out. And the parents don't know what to do. They do what they, was done to them and they produce the same thing that they got. So when you end up with mental health problems, uh, which can come from many different ways, uh, childhood sexual abuse, childhood bullying, uh, childhood traumas, living in toxic families, not having uh, some of your family members around. In the military, there's a lot of that. The, the father is gone, years at a time sometimes, and the mother has to be both mother and father to the children and coaches and stuff have to step up to be the father because the father's all fighting the war trying to help other people so what happens is a lot of people want no restrictions on their behaviors and their mouths and then when bad things happen they don't know what's causing it and they don't understand how religion or faith fits into it so you got a lot of bad people doing a lot of bad stuff to children in the faith community. We have a lot of people looking the other way. In certain cultures, stuff's happening. Nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to look at it. Uh, is the government part of it? Sure. Is the labor department? Yes. Is the video games a part of it? Yes. We had problems before there was TV, before there was radio, before there was cars, before there were games. We had mental health problems back in as we learned about Cain killing his brother Abel. Jealousy is not anything new. Anger is not anything new. Bullying, lying, deception, nothing new. And it just multiplied throughout society. And we just got a bunch of Cains out here now. 
they get upset because they don't get accepted and they proceed to kill their brothers. And then we have other people and so nobody wants to look at the picture. They don't want to look at how is a personality developed. A lot of your scientists, your psychiatrists, psychologists, they know. Nobody wants to listen to them because they're going to have to point the finger back at parents, grandparents, back at society, back at the toys, back at games, back at the school teachers, back at kindergarten, back at pre-K, back in church, back in faith-based communities. They're going to have to look, why did somebody abuse a child? Why would somebody want to have hurt an innocent child? What's going on with that adult or that other child? Where'd they come from? In some cultures, they do believe it's a mixture of biological, the soul, and spiritual. Some people address it all to spiritual, and they don't want to look at the other. They don't want to change. They just figure if we deal with it spiritually, that's it. Let's throw out a few quotes from some book. That'll solve the problem. Why do people not even love the opposite sex? What's going on with the wonderful, precious people in the transgender community? They're trying to solve a problem inside of them and have some peace. And they feel like they were born in the wrong body. They don't know why, they don't know what causes it, but they're trying to have some peace in here. They're trying to match up their body that they got and their feelings on the inside. And they feel like something might happen and they put the wrong person in the wrong body. And then you have another group of people, the homosexuals, they're quite happy in their body and uh, the gay and the lesbian, they're fine. They're quite happy being who they are. But then you have the trans and then you have the ones, oh, I'm not quite sure who I am. I don't know. And then you have the people. Why? There's so many questions. What is going on? We hear it all the time. There is a mental health problem in the nations. Why do kids who are bullied grow up and want to kill people? Why do other children bully other children? Why is there human trafficking? Why would they do that to another human being? Why do humans hurt animals? I don't know. I think I told this on another tape. Over in China somewhere, there's a village. They believe if they take a lot of dogs and they pull their arms and legs back behind them and they hurt them tremendously and they scream and yell, they believe the cortisol within their body gets up and in their bloodstream. So they kill them. Boom. Then they inject that blood into their body and now they have enhanced sexual arousal. They do the same thing with cutting. They'll take a shark, catch him, cut his fins off, throw the shark back in the water. Shark can't swim. He dies because they believe the shark fins are going to give them enhanced sexual performance. What is going on in the Chinese people that they believe they need to have enhanced sexual gratification? Is it for the men? Is it for the women? Where is that from? Why would a culture do that when they don't even value women? Now it's so bad in China because they passed a law there was getting to be so many. You can only have one child. And if you have more, they kill them. 
Now they have so many men who are valued, not the females. So now the men in China have to go and kidnap, pay for brides from other poor countries in order to have a woman. Why? Because in certain cultures they are not to show any kind of affection. They're supposed to all be in unity. But that physical body wants some pleasure. And they live in a very controlled society, so they have to have some enhancing stuff so they will hurt animals to get it. Now, where does that cultural belief come from? What would make a human being hurt animals that way? And then not value women, so you have to, you don't want any women in your culture. Men are more important. Why? So you will go to another nation and kidnap poor women so that these men in China can have a wife. What is going on? Where does that, is that normal? Would we consider that to be an abnormal use of animals? Yes. Would that be considered animal abuse? Yes. Would that be considered abnormal relationships, kidnapping a, somebody against their will? But what happened if a parent who's very poor sells their little daughter, 8, 9, 10, to a Chinese man or somebody else, who wants a virgin that hadn't been touched sexually. So when they come into their period and they are now a woman, he can be guaranteed that those are his kids. Why would a man go to another country, take advantage of a family who has some financial needs, and buy a daughter to be his wife? Why would a family sell their own kids? Have humans just become products, merchandise to be sold? Yes. Is that normal or abnormal? Would we consider those people mentally ill with a mental health problem? Would their soul, who's making the decisions about human beings, would they be considered to have a mental health problem? Yes, but their governments, their culture, their religion, all look the other way or sanction it. But if you go over there and tell them that it's not the proper use, that is wrong to do that, that is not what you do to human beings. Now we are becoming racist. We don't have a right to speak into a nation and tell it what to do. If the parents believe that that child is their property, I had this one girl. She was born into a multi-generational Satanist family. And here's what her mother said. You are my property. I have the stretch marks on my side of my hips to prove that you were in my belly. You came from my egg. You have no rights. You will do what I tell you to do, and I gave you life. And if I tell you that you are to go marry your father, who's my brother, so I can benefit, you get money and a house and apartment, and that is how we live in our culture, then that is what you will do. And if you try to go against that, 
then I will have you severely punished and raped and burned, and you won't like it. Because people believe, because they have an egg and a sperm, that it's their property to do with whatever they choose. So if you get born in a family, and they're very poor, because they don't believe in birth control, they'll sell you. Now, that's been going on forever. Then there's some cultures that believe that one man can have as many wives as he wants to. And because the more children you have, and what happens when you are a female and you get pregnant, you don't typically have sex during that time, but the man wants to have sex and he wants to his enjoyment. So he has, he wants, to, as he gets older, he wants to have younger, beautiful things. They're called harems. And in some cultures, based on their faith, they can have as many wives as they want to. Now, hopefully, they take care of all their children. Uh, in some of the Mormon things, they used to believe that a man could have as many wives as he wanted to. And they still practice that. They would have one legal wife that was married. Now, all the others would be what they call sister wives. And they would be on, they would be considered by the government of the United States a single mother. And she would get all the medical benefits, all the social security benefits for that child. So, faith, religion culture has a lot to do with how we treat other human beings. Now, is that considered mental health problems to have many wives? Is it considered a mental health behavioral disorder, personality disorder to sell your child for money? Is a child considered just property? Why do we consider men more important than females? Where do all those concepts, those ideas, and those beliefs come from? If we take American culture and beliefs about things and we take it to another country, we'd be looked at it mentally ill. If they brought their culture and their ideas about people and marriage and how you can treat people, we would look at them, you're mentally ill. So who decides what is mental illness? What most people do, they just try to, it's genetics, biochemistry, nobody's to blame, there is no cure, we'll just give you some medication, we ain't going to talk about faith and culture and religion, not going to do that, we're not going to, if somebody wants to buy another human being, well, we're not going to talk about that, if the ones that have the money want to buy, something. They got the money to do it. We're not. That is not an abnormal behavior, buying something. But buying a human? For what? Do we all sell ourselves for jobs? Some of us do. Some of us sell our reputation. Some of us will sell ourselves for millions and millions of dollars. We do it all the time. We compromise in what we do to get something. Is that considered mental illness? So, in this episode, I wanted to bring in some of the areas where they're looking. Substance abuse. 
Do you have a problem with substance? Food. Something you drink, something you smoke, something you touch. I'm going to tell you a story I watched, and I believe this is true. It was on CSI. They were out in Las Vegas. And there are some people, what we would call them people now, that do aromatherapy. And you put some fragrance and you smell. It goes up into your brain and you feel pleasure. You feel calming. Well, there was this thing. There was a underwear bar. Doesn't sound right, but it was. And there were people who were addicted to the smells of underwear from certain people because your body produces chemicals. And soap that you use and food that you eat all has comes out. And they would actually buy some underwear that a lady wore, or I guess a man or something, and they would sniff it, sort of like glue. Okay. And the smell from the underwear would go up the nose, okay, into the brain, just like aroma. It was basically aromatherapy. And these people would have great pleasure sexual pleasure just from sniffing in and their nose taking in the fragrance from the underwear. Well there was some murder and stuff and one of the guys had to explain to one of the CIS techs uh, this biological thing that was going on with the nose. We see it nowadays with aromatherapy. If you want to feel calm put on a certain uh, candle or something, burn some oils and you'll sniff it up, go into the brain, and it'll produce the effect you're looking for. doesn't matter what it is. It's all biochemical. So then there's some people that need a physical uh, release. So they look at pictures, as we know, in child pornography or in uh, years ago it used to be Playboy. And they wanted some peace. And they wanted the arousal. They wanted all the chemicals going, and then they wanted the release. So there was a lot of um, self stuff going on, you know. And then when that didn't do it, you know, they would try something else. In my early days in this helping people, I got thrown into the very hard stuff, international stuff and very hard stuff. So it wasn't very good. People were selling their babies, the high priests, for child pornography. So mental health and the forever person. I wanted to bring this a little bit more so you'd have a little bit more depth when you go in counseling and you'll have a little bit more idea what they're looking for. And uh, But at the same time, if you come from a culture that certain things to, we'll say, American culture might seem weird and abnormal, but in your culture they're very normal. You would not be classified with a mental health problem because that's your culture. It's acceptable as normal behavior. Now the forever person that is inside each one of us, he is always affected by everything that happens to the soul and the physical body. So in this one, we're learning a little bit more about mental health, psychiatrists, the licensed counselors, some of the areas that they will be asking you questions in, uh, what they're looking for here, uh, in other countries, they sort of do the same thing. But a lot of times, uh, they stay away from faith and religion and those kind of cultural things, and they don't address those. So a lot of things sort of get swept under the rug. We don't look at that. 
because that's in the realm of religion. That's okay. And we excuse a lot of behaviors. And then we look at a lot of our culture on television. We look at a lot of people. I was just meeting some young guys today. And they want to be musicians. I said, that's great. You got to change your you got to change your dress. If you want somebody to recognize you, you cannot dress the way you are. So, culture, what's expected of you, that's all in the realm of mental health. So I wanted to bring this um, after the um, flea market today. And um, I wanted to teach about those personality disorders. That's what they're looking for. Your mood disorders. And your substance use. Are you addicted to something? And how I tell people is if you cannot stop it, you have an addiction. No matter what it is. I used to drink Diet Cokes trying to keep the weight off. I'm so short. I went cold turkey. Now it took my put my body into shock, but I, I'm a cold turkey type. But they, just, I cut it off. Boom. Sometimes I'm given a chance to do things a little slowly, but usually it's very cold turkey. So I go through some devastation. Other people don't like that. They're told uh, you need to change your diet, change this, get on an aspirin, do this. Do, and they don't believe the doctors. The doctor's there. He went to school. I love you. I want to care about you. I don't want you dying. I really want you healthy. And the people don't see it as that. You're trying to tell me what to do. Would that be a mental health problem? Yes, it's rebellion against the known knowledge of somebody that loves you and cares about you. Rebellion, resistance is a mental health problem. They can't even look and see that what they're doing in their life is hurting themselves and hurting their family. And they're killing themselves slowly with drugs or alcohol, food, lack of exercise, and that they're hurting people. Hey, it's none of your business. I have a right to do whatever I want to do. That's an attitude. That's a mood disorder. No, you don't have a right. Because we can't keep it to ourselves if you drink and drive in a car. Okay, stay at home. And I tell people, you want to kill your brain cells with alcohol, right ahead. I have no sympathy. You've been told. There's plenty of help to get off the stuff. But people, don't, they won't give it up. Is that a mental health? Yes, they're in bondage. They don't want to change. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. Now throw in other cultures. Throw in other faiths. Throw in a different sex. Males and females. Different, we'll call it skin color. Different country. Hmm. Now you got a big mess. If I walked up to somebody and I said, is it mentally good? Or mentally bad to hurt animals for sec personal sexual enhancement. America, they'd say it's animal abuse. And other cultures say, yeah, we don't consider it abuse at all. Some cultures, it's okay to sell your daughters. Because you need money. 
You'll sell anything you got. Some cultures, it's okay to have as many wives as you want to and kids. Even though here in America, the Mormons have one legal wife. The rest are called sister wives. And guess what? Those sister wives all go to the federal government and claim they are a single parent. There's no father, there's no support. And they get all the financial support from the American government. They lie. Why can't one person be satisfied with one person? Because in certain faiths, or the forever person, they believe the more children you have, the better chances you are to get to this paradise, this into the temple, into something. Now, in some cultures, because sickness and diseases were killing the babies, they didn't live outside of maybe five years old. They needed lots of kids. So you have disease that's involved. You have the health of the nation. You have faith. You have culture. One culture says what is mentally unhealthy, abnormal, and abusive. And another culture says, but that's our faith. We don't consider that. One person is a terrorist, and one person is a freedom fighter. So, that is the problem that we have globally. And I, I cry for the medical doctors. They're trying to find out what is going on. The social workers, everybody's trying to solve the problems. we got autism all around the world. we got racism all around the world. Gender equality, we got it all around the world. Bullying, cyberbullying, we got it all around the world. Why? Is cyberbullying considered a mental health disease? Disorder. To go to school and bully another child. Make fun of him. Beat him up. Laugh at him. Is that considered a mental health disease? Disorder. Do words hurt people? Well, why don't we get some help for them if we, just, if we think it is? Well, the parents won't let you. The schools don't want to talk about it. So it goes. Nothing happens. One day, that kid that's been bullied walks back into a school with a gun. He's so pissed off at everybody. He's going to hurt some people. And then they go, dig down. Well, this was a mental health problem. And nothing was done. Are wars, conflicts, mental health problems? What about the war between the Protestants and the Catholic? Killing each other over in Jerusalem. The wars between the Sunni and the Shias. The wars between the Muslims and the Christians. Is that a mental health disorder? Based on religion and culture? Would you classify killing somebody in the name of God a mental health disorder? Would you consider trying to have a one-world government and enslave nations? And, and, and this is what's happening in the European Union. And telling them, you ain't a country anymore. You're going to do what unelected individuals tell you to do and we're going to control your whole life. Is that a mental health disorder? To control people like that. 
and not allow a nation like England to separate if it wants to. What's going on with governments that migrants say, I can't live, I want to work. There's no food. Our government is corrupt. Is that corruption considered a mental health disorder? Is it normal or abnormal to be corrupt? To lie and to cheat? To steal money that belongs to the people? Is that considered a mental health disorder? We got it right over here. It's everywhere. What is mental health? We see it all over the world. Where all have been experienced it. It comes from your soul. And how it was shaped. How it was conformed and molded. Brainwashed by a multitude of things. And if we rise up against it. Anybody rises up against it. We're called nasty names. But yet, they try to enslave you and take everything, your freedom and your rights away. As a 10 little old girl, would like to be a little girl for a while. Her parents took her rights away by selling her to a Chinese man because they will not allow female children to be born. Men are more valued. Is that a mental health disorder? Valuing men above females. Would you consider that normal or abnormal? Would you consider the culture to be mentally ill, abusive, and not loving the other sex? These are all questions everybody has to ask. They need to look at themselves, their culture, their faith. And say, if what I believe in, what I'm doing, my ideas and my thoughts, are they abusive to myself, to my family, to my children, to other people? Would it be considered a crime and mental health disorder? Or what? So I wanted to bring that in. So you can look at when you end up in a therapist office or psychiatrist or a hospital and you're losing it, you got some issues, you're suicidal, panic attacks, you can't even get around society, you've had trauma as children, you've been abused. Let's ask this question. I listen to in the Muslim community, they think it is okay to take a little girl's genitals circumcise them. Why? They don't want the little girls to have any pleasure. And they have sex. They think it will. Is that considered mental health abusive towards another? Would that be considered abnormal? Dealing with religion and people. And it all intertwines with mental health and the forever person and faiths, and concepts, and culture, and ideas, and your religion, your business, your finances, 
what your body wants. It's all interconnected. So I like to bring this out because I'm very provocative, I think. And I'm sure I'll get a lot of nasty stuff, but that's okay. Mental health and the forever person. It's a tough issue. It's all around the world. And we have to ask ourselves as people what is considered normal, what is good, and what is not. I hope you enjoyed it. Everybody was very quiet today. This is Pastor Deborah, the Gopi Love Ministries, at www.agopilovehishere.org. I try to get this up on the Mental Health and the Forever Person podcast and on the webcam. And if you have any questions, I hope to always to provoke you to think, to ask questions, to look at your culture, your faith, uh, what people are doing, and how does that relate to mental health? How do we determine this? Is humanity sick? Does, does humanity have a mental health problem around the world? Is there something wrong with us that we would hurt other humans and we would hurt the earth and we would hurt the animals on it? Are we all sick and all have a mental health illness, a bad, evil, wicked heart of the hidden man that's so selfish and jealous? How many canes are out here that would kill their own brothers because of jealousy? How many of our religions would kill somebody? We've been through that, the Christians and the Protestants. They've been through that one. We've had all kinds of wars to set people free because we mistreated them. So, I'd just like to ask you a lot of questions to look at yourself, look at your country, look at your culture, look at your faith. See if it's loving and kind. Does it care for the people? Is it hurting animals? Is it hurting the earth? Is it hurting yourself? Is it hurting each other? Where would you put yourself? Mentally healthy? Emotionally healthy? Or would you have some personality disorders? Some mood disorders? Or would you have some substance abuse disorders? Who do we blame? It's everywhere. It's all around the world. So ponder, think, do research on the internet, look up terms, look at your culture, look at other faiths, see what they're doing. See, where where would you put yourself? Where would you diagnose yourself to be? Mentally healthy? Treating people correctly? Dealing with life's problems in a very non-abusive way? Or what you're desiring and wanting and you're willing to go by little 10-year-old girl, is that mentally healthy? Are our governments mentally healthy, the people that run them? Or are they the kings and jealous and corrupt? Is corruption a mental health issue? Just asking. Is bullying a mental health issue? 
Not loving your neighbor, is that a mental health issue? Not loving somebody who believes differently than you, is that a mental health issue? Willing to kill somebody because they don't believe the way you do, is that a mental health issue? Wanting goods to, willing to allow people to break the law and come in because you want more money. Is greed a mental health issue? Ask yourself some deep questions. Begin looking at yourself deep on the inside. Then when you end up in the therapist's office, they'll help you look the rest of the way. Enjoy. This was Mental Health, episode number four. And it, a little bit more about the DSM and about how they classify and what they're looking for when they are bring you in and they're looking at your behaviors, your moods, your substances, and your life. Enjoy. I'll leave it up so you can take some notes. And everybody's dismissed. I think i got to get on to some dinner now. Love you all. Pastor Deborah.